Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me as always, my co-host, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, you ready for me to sum up Houston sports in this brand new, wonderful year of 2020? I can I can give it to you in about five sentences. Really? So in other words, it's going to be a short podcast today? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I want to hear this. Let me just sum this up. First of all, the Astros were convicted as cheaters and fired the World Series GM and manager. The Texans lost by 20 after blowing a 24 to nothing lead in a playoff game. The Rockets have lost 3 of 4 to Memphis, CP3, and Mello. Rockets rejects. The, the Dash traded their only recognizable star player, and the Cougars lost their star QB transfer after sitting him out for a redshirt senior season. Ugh. And, you know, we're recording this on, uh, what's today, January 16th. We're, we're just into the new year, and it's funny. I was, I was writing some of these things down, Robert, yesterday. And, you know, we did a podcast on uh, 10 best moments in Houston sports for 2019. So far, I haven't been able to come up with any. Have you? <laughs> and then certainly not very many in the first 16 days of 2020. Yeah, it's it's been awful. And just, I mean, it just seems like it's been an avalanche of bad stuff. If you go back to Daryl Morey and Hong Kong and, you know, just the, the Game 7 of the World Series. I mean, I, I, I mean, and not all bad, obviously. They, they, they get to the World Series. You got the Altuve walk-off home run. And, and I want to get to the Astros, but... Stephen, I, I kind of feel like we, we've been neglecting the Rockets. They're the, the young kid that we've got that, you know, we've been so busy with our adult kid that we're not giving the, the baby enough attention, you know? Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, although, you know, that, that young baby that needs attention sure has been uh, been stressing us out a lot, just like everybody else. You know, I, I keep waiting for the Rockets to break through. I keep waiting for them to go on this ridiculous run, you know, maybe not a 22 game winning streak like they did years ago or anything, but, but just to really start taking control of, you know, what to me is still a wide open or, or at least open Western conference. And they just haven't done that. I mean, the shooting lately has just been abysmal. You know, it certainly was in the first half of the uh, Portland game and in the Memphis game, it came back to bite them. Daniel house has, has just been terrible. I mean, what other way can we say it? You know, and, and even James Harden was held down by by Portland. And, you know, you, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. I mean, here's a guy that obviously didn't fit right in the Rockets system. He didn't even last two weeks. And, and now he's doing great with his new team. So, yeah, the, the Rockets, we, we do need to talk about them. And it's not all bad. I mean, they're still what I think they're fifth as of the day we're recording this after the Portland loss. They're still fifth in the West. So they're still in the playoff hunt. But to me, they're just a team that – just hasn't figured it out yet, just isn't clicking on all cylinders. I think you're almost being light about this. And, and I've got a Robert rant just on the on the Rockets. And I'm, I'm going to start off by saying I'm not a big fan of firing an NBA coach in the middle of the season, but the Rockets look like they've quit on Mike D'Antoni. They're 12 and 12 when Harden doesn't score 40. They're 14 and 2 when he does score 40. I'm tired of watching D'Antoni put out a 500 team unless Harden scores 40. That's not a winning formula by and you can't expect your superstar to score 40 for you to have a chance to win the game on a regular basis. And I'm tired of Harden needing to play 40 minutes a night 
because D'Antoni can't coach a team to score without its superstar. I'm tired of his refusal to use his bench. The defensive effort is pathetic. Their rotations are a travesty. And finally, I'm tired of Hartenstein getting a shorter lease than Kiki Cutie. I'm just kind of done with D'Antoni at this point. I feel about the same way at Mike D'Antoni that I do about Bill O'Brien. I, I just, you know, I feel like they, they can lead a team to a certain point, but they can't lead them over the hump. And I have never been a fan of D'Antoni's system, especially when it comes to winning championships. And and the Rockets are another example. You know, I, I just feel like they're, they're, they're just too undisciplined. You know, they, they, they spend too much time jacking up three-pointers that don't fall. And even when they shoot inside, how many layups have we lost count of how many layups and dunks that they blow. So I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to see D'Antoni get fired middle of the season unless they just go on a complete slide. I, I think it will happen though, if that, if that's the case, because look, the fact that he didn't get another contract uh, extension, I think that tells you right there that Tilman Fertitta, Daryl Morey, maybe don't have the, the kind of confidence in him that they once did. And the fans certainly don't have confidence in him. You and I don't have confidence in him. And you may be right. I, I mean, the Rockets may have even lost confidence because I just feel, I, I mean, either either it's all D'Antoni's fault or the Rockets just aren't as good as we think they are, even with James Harden. And and the fact is, how many years have we seen James Harden have these, you know, outstanding, stellar regular seasons? And then we get in the postseason and it's not enough. And it's not going to be enough. I mean, the same thing's going to happen this year, in my mind. It's not going to be enough. The bench isn't going to come through. The defense isn't going to come through. It's going to be up to Harden, you know, maybe Westbrook on some nights too. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to result in the same thing. You talked about the layups that the Rockets are missing. No idea if this is the case, but it sure seems like the Rockets give up more layups than any team in the NBA. Are they capable of rotating without leaving somebody wide open for a layup? And can somebody, anybody, stay in front of their man? Well, you know, that's not only with the layups, but I, I forgot who it was in the Portland game the other night. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was Anthony, but it was somebody who put up a three-pointer, and he was so wide open. I mean, if he were DeAndre Hopkins, he, he could have, you know, run for a touchdown probably. It, how many times has that happened throughout the season where not just with layups, but guys who are putting up threes on the up on the opposing team and they're falling. And so I, I don't know. I, I actually, it was the Rockets that, that, that were wide open on three pointer and they missed. That's what it was. He was so wide open. He should have made it, but he didn't. So yeah, it's a combination of all those things. I think that the, the Rockets are, are just not the team that we, I, I think that I think they should be, they should be much higher up in the rankings. Apparently, Russell Westbrook, one of the great athletes in, in NBA history, but he can't move laterally on defense. I mean, that's that's something that I saw in o Oklahoma City. It's carried over to the Rockets. That hasn't changed. You know, I just I get tired of like, oh, he's such an animal on offense. And, you know, he's nonstop and in constant motion. But on defense, he can't do it. Same thing with James Harden. Neither one of them seem to want to move laterally. Guys just blow by them at will. I get tired of hearing about the broadcasters telling me about, oh, James Harden's one of the best low post defenders. Well, if this is 1986, great. But who cares right now? I don't care about his low post defense. I could care less. He's terrible defensively, not just staying in front of people, but 
I mean, why is his guy always wide open at the three-point arc when they throw it to him and he's trying to close out, but he's always about 10 feet away from the guy? And and also, I want to point this out. I, I'd give up the next 15 Rockets first-round picks for Davis Bertans just, Stephen, so I could watch one player who can consistently knock down a wide-open three. Yeah, that's that's it. And I know I think you talked about that on a previous podcast where – you were kind of eyeing him, and he would certainly be a great addition, at, at least in that regard, because I think that's just what the one of the things that the Rockets lack is just that consistent three point shooting. But again, I, I still believe that they rely too much on that shot to get them over the hump. And if you think they're going to win a championship by doing it that way, I, I just, I mean, the, the evidence is is right there. It hasn't happened so far, and I don't think it's going to happen this season either, especially if they keep playing the way they do. It's not. But I don't know, Robert, if you think about it, are we really that surprised that the Rockets are where they are, that they're, that they're not better than they should be? I mean, we had a lot of these questions going into the season, even when we got Westbrook. You know, how many questions do we have about him and about his offensive game, his defense and things like that? So I guess, you know, if you think about it, the Rockets probably are where they should be. But but we just it's it's frustrating, though, when you know they could be better if the system were better. And that's where I feel about it. I'm a little surprised because I didn't expect that Eric Gordon would be both out and look awful after he had a great playoff. I I, I, I could imagine he could get hurt because that seems to happen in Eric Gordon's career. But every time he's played, his shooting has been just bad. I mean, he's a bad shooter. Well, he's had this before. I mean, there have been this isn't the first time that he's gone through these long stretches where he just isn't making his threes or making his shots. Well, he's had stretches of just how about the season? Has he had a whole stretch where the, where it's the whole season even when he when he's healthy or when he's not healthy, he's just been bad? I don't remember that. Not quite. No, not quite. Not a whole season perhaps, but uh, certainly longer stretches than you'd like to see. And Daniel House, I loved what I saw from Daniel House last year. He looked really good on both ends of the floor. You mentioned it earlier. He he's just he's flat out stunk on both ends of the floor in the last month. I mean, I I, I guess there were some injuries that maybe is have lingered, but you know he got the injuries. It doesn't seem like he's you know he's struggling to to get around the floor, but it I just feel like. He's mentally checked out. That's what I'm concerned with. He looks like somebody that's actually mentally checked out, Stephen. Well, I don't know. I mean, he he still goes after balls, you know, and, and he goes, I think he got fouled or he, he fouled someone on the Portland game. I remember he was going after the ball and he, you know, ran into the guy. I, I think he still plays hard, but his shots certainly aren't falling. And I mean, it just seems that ever since the postseason last year, it's kind of like he's hit a wall. And he's fallen backwards, and he's definitely fallen backwards this season. So, yeah, I, I just, I mean, his shooting is just terrible. I, I don't know how else to say. You, you said stink. That's even better <laughs> or even worse. So, yeah, I don't know what to say about Daniel House at this point. And, of course, they gave him that contract. So, you know, I guess we're stuck with him for a while. But he definitely has to step up his game if the Rockets are going to get any better. What's happened to James Harden? I, the, the Portland game, he's been bad this month. But the Portland game, uh, that was his just as disinterested as I've, as I've seen him look since that Spurs playoff game. I haven't seen him seem to have less of a care factor on the court in any game. He scored 13 points. He just, there was no focus defensively. I don't know where he was offensively. 
it was just, it was terrible. I mean, I, I just didn't see him engaged in the game. I'm just like, you know, d- does Chris Paul need to come back so we can stick, you know, a little jolt into your butt and get you moving a little bit? Even if, even if Chris Paul annoyed him, at least it got him riled up a little bit. I mean, there are times in this last few games where I'm just like, what? Where is James Harden's energy and focus and all of that? Yeah, I I mean, the thing that frustrates me about Harden, other than what you just said, is a lot of his high point games, you know, at least quite a number of them come, you know, he takes a lot of shots. And, you know, when his shooting percentage is poor and yet he still scores 35, 40 points, I mean, that's frustrating to a point because, you know, after all, Think of the shots. Uh, think of how many more points he would have if his shots would be falling. So, yeah, along with what you're saying about his defense and his just his, his lack of focus, certainly on nights like Portland where, you know, 13 points for someone like James Harden is, uh, gosh, that's way, way below his average. What is he averaging, 37 point something a game for the season? So, yeah, that, that's my biggest thing is that I, just the, the number of shots he has to take sometimes to score those points, that's going to come back to bite him too. Anything else you got on the Rockets? I, I think I've gone through just about every rant that I that I can remember at the moment. But w- where are you on Dan Tony? I mean, I you know we could say, hey, get rid of him immediately. They're, that's not going to happen. Dan Tony's the you know he's not the coach. the The coach on offense is James Harden, and on defense, it looks like there is no coach. And why do you want that? You know, you you need a coach. You need a leader who can get these guys playing together. You know, I, I don't want James Harden being the coach of the team. I want him to obviously maybe, you know, be the captain on the floor. OK, that's fine. But there's but but sometimes even then he doesn't make great decisions. So, yeah, I, I don't want James Harden coaching the team. We need Mike D'Antoni to step up and coach the team or or somebody with, you know, or who's got real coaching experience to come in here and do that. Not James Harden. All right, you ready? You ready for my Astros rants? Because I've got a few of them. Well, let me leave you some positive with the Rockets at least. The the one thing that you know they've struggled lately, uh, the thing that I guess that is frustrating is that they've struggled against teams that they really should beat. You know, Portland they're not having a great season. You know, uh, Memphis yeah they've been playing better lately, but they're still Memphis. You know, they're they're still not in the hunt. But they do have a tough stretch coming up. I mean, they have the Lakers coming up. They seem to play better against the good teams. So maybe, <laughs> you know, we just have to hope that the Rockets can catch a run by playing a tougher schedule, playing some of these good teams. We'll see. I mean, P.J. Tucker looks like he's getting old and worn out with all these minutes. They've got guys that are banged up. I mean, they've got the laundry list of excuses. I'm going to see what happens in the next few games, because if, if it's not turned around in the next two or three games, then Dan Tony could get fired in the middle of the year. Cause th- it, like I said, this looks like a team that really has quit on the coach. And, and, and I, I don't say that lightly. That's honestly what I saw against Portland. Uh, not great against Memphis either. Uh, th- there is, th- I have major concern at this point with this, uh, with the whole thing. I, I certainly do too, and um, but you know it is a long season. I mean, every NBA team is going to go through these these peaks and valleys. But uh, you know, especially with the Western Conference being so tough, the Rockets really need to start playing better. Especially if you know if you want what they didn't get last year, and that's home court advantage. So at this point, they don't look like a team that's either going to get it or who even deserves it. So yeah, we just have to hope for better things, or else uh, some major changes will be made. 
All right, let's go to the cheaters, the Astros. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically what they are. If you wanted to see the absolute right way to handle the embarrassment of the Astros cheating scandal, see A.J. Hinch. If you wanted to see the absolute wrong way to handle it, see Jeff Luno. Stephen, <laughs> A.J. Hinch apologized to everybody involved in this perfectly worded statement that a politician could take notes on how to write and what to say. Meanwhile, Jeff Luno said, quote, I'm not a cheater. I've never even seen Alex Cora. I don't know who he is. I didn't know we could afford TV monitors in the dugout hallway. I controlled everything this organization does, but I wasn't aware that I emailed my scouts to videotape dugouts. I had my guys huddle over video monitors in the playoffs. I didn't realize, you know, we kneecapped Tanya Harding before the Olympic. What, what is he talking about? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I think this is indicative of just how different A.J. Hinch and, and Jeff Luno's personalities are. I, I mean, is it really surprising that, that A.J. Hinch handled it the way he did just because he's A.J. Hinch and, and this is the way he handles things? Is it really surprising that Jeff Luno, it's unfortunate, but is it really surprising the way he handles this? It, it just confirms what I think we've said and talked about of Jeff Luno all this time. It is how that this is the way he's run the franchise. I, you know, when when the first thing when when I saw his, I am not a cheater, and I think I even tweeted this out the other day, Robert. It reminded me of someone else way back in the 1970s. Didn't Richard Nixon say kind of the same thing in Watergate? I am not a crook. Um, look, Jeff, the evidence is pretty obvious. You are a cheater. So, yeah, I, I think this is like I said, this is just indicative of. Just, just how starkly different these two personalities are. And so, you know, this is the way they're going to handle things. But it, it's just pathetic that at the very least, Luno just can't come out and say, you know, I regret the way this whole thing happened, the way it ended. You know, just just man up, Jeff, and admit it and, and go on. But no, he, he can't do that. Deny, 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 especially in the wake of such obvious evidence that the report has. It just makes him look worse. And, and you know, we were talking the other day with Greg Lucas about, you know, whether either one of them is, is going to have another job. I, I think the way he's handled the, the post-mortem situation, Jeff Luno, that is, that may, it, it may very well be he may not get another job, certainly not for a long time, if this is the approach he's going to take. And Rob Manford might say, hey, if you're not going to admit anything, then I don't know if I want to reinstate you any. I, I don't I, I think this might be like. Uh, a Manford reinstate issue if if he's just going to deny everything. And I mean, obviously, after I said I'm not a cheater, I, I'm joking about everything that he he actually said. But, I, you know, it, it's no joke that this guy controlled everything that the Astro, like I said, he controlled everything the organization. Does. I mean, there was not a T uncrossed this is jeff luno don't tell me you don't know what's going on in your own stupid dugout yeah now i i can buy the fact that maybe jim crane didn't know a lot of those things i i can live with that yeah okay he's the owner he has to sign off on everything ultimately but that doesn't mean he knows everything that's going on in his dugout or even in his front office necessarily especially if you have other people that you trust that are running it Jeff Luno is a different story. You can't tell me, like you said, you can't tell me that he didn't know that Kevin Goldstein was was asking scouts, you know, to videotape and, and a lot of the other things that have happened. You know, even if he didn't sign off on it necessarily, 
He didn't know. And look, as we said the other day, the, the biggest sin that A.J. Hinch probably committed is that even though he knew, he didn't really try to stop it. Okay, maybe he smashed a monitor or two. But I mean, what does that do? That's not, you know, maybe in a moment of panic or a moment of regret. But ultimately, A.J. Hinch didn't stand up and tell Alex Cora, whomever, hey, guys, stop this. Stop this now. Don't do it. So with Jeff Luno, yeah, I, there's no way I'm going to buy that he had absolutely nothing, that, that his hands were completely clean and were completely off everything. Yeah, and, and I'm as hard as anybody on the Astros. If you listen to the show, you know that about the whole situation. But like Jeff Passan, he's not passing for much of a journalist. He's <laughs> been this vengeful kind of jerk about the whole thing through, throughout this. Oh, Jim Crane, he wasn't punished enough. I don't know what they're supposed to do with Jim Crane. The maximum fine you can give Jim Crane is $5 million. Are you sure, Jeff Passan? Do you know for a fact that Jim Crane knew all of this stuff? Because I don't. I don't know why they might have told him this stuff. I doubt he's hanging out uh, in the dugout at all during games and things like that. I, I, and the other part about this is you, you can't go after the players. It's, it's about the Players Association. Yeah, they they were the guys that you know had more to do with it than anything, but because of the players' association, you you can't start suspending players. You, you can't. They, they, it's you're opening Pandora's box. Not only that, but you have to realize that as extensive an investigation as MLB conducted, you know, obviously they they talked to all the players involved, and I, I kind of liken it to a situation where you need somebody to testify. Let's say in Congress or, you know, even in a legal case, these players, you know, the only way that they're really going to fess up and say anything that's going to help the investigation is they're going to be granted immunity. And and that's why you haven't seen the players be punished. They were granted immunity to say whatever they said. I mean, some of them even admitted, yeah, we knew it was going on. We knew it was wrong. But and if, if A.J. Hinch had said, hey, let's not do it anymore, we wouldn't have done it. I mean, that has come out. That's in the report. So, as far as the players being punished, yeah, not only is the Players Association you, you have to deal with, but they were granted immunity through this whole thing. Now, getting back to the owners and, and being suspended or being punished more, let's talk about past history of owners who have been suspended. The, the owners who have been suspended and the two that come to mind in baseball are George Steinbrenner and Marge Schott. George Steinbrenner, of course, the former Yankees owner. Marge Schott, you know, the the, the former owner of the Cincinnati Reds, the, the crazy woman who had the, the dog that would run out on the field. You know, in George Steinbrenner's case, you, you know, he was directly involved with things like gambling and, and other things that, that got him suspended. Marge shot her racist comments. That's what got her suspended. That That's where the owners were directly involved in whatever punishments were handed down to them. Something like what's happened to the Astros, as we said, you know, Substantively, how do we know how much Jim Crane was involved? You know, the report doesn't really point out anything about Jim Crane uh, as much as it did everybody else. So, you know, if you're looking to punish the owner, gosh, $5 million, I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of money. That's the highest you can go as far as a baseball fine. You can't find him any more than that. The only other thing you could do is suspend him. But really, based on all the evidence in the report, how are you going to suspend an owner even though, yes, it's on his watch, it's his team, but how can you really justify? I, I just think people are not looking at the facts. They're, they're going more on emotion 
than they are based on what's the, the facts that are right there in front of us. Yeah, I want to also be clear about this. There's there's this idea that, well, you know, Jim Crane, he doesn't care. He's He got all this money from the, Jim Crane's lifestyle, though. It, it's, it, it doesn't change. The guy's a billionaire. He doesn't. I mean, yeah, you can say, yeah, he made some more money. So what? It, it doesn't change. I don't think the Astro success changed anything about his life. What you want as an owner is to be validated and thought of as a winner and thought of as a champion. The whole rest of his life, people are going to say, yeah, but you guys cheated for that. That's that's nice, Jim, but you guys cheated. You're convicted. Everybody admitted it. There's an extensive report. It, there, the, the fact that, oh, well, Jim Crane, uh, oh, he got everything that he wanted. I, I kind of think that's BS. It is BS. It is BS because if, if he didn't care... Do you think he would have fired Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinge? Of course not. He would have backed him 100% and stuck with them and said, you know, this is just something we need to ride through. Look, any owner who doesn't care about the perception of his business really shouldn't be running the business at all. This is a stain that's going to stay with the Astros. I mean, you know, the World Series, I know we can get into that too a little bit about, you know, it's an asterisk or should they even be vacated the, the championship, even if it's not removed from the books. It will be in the minds of Astros fans and even and people who aren't Astros fans forever. I mean, this this will never go away. I mean, yeah, it'll die down. The storm will pass. The Astros will move on. But it's always going to be there in history. So if you think Jim Crane doesn't care about perception, then why did he fire A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luna? Yeah, I just want to be clear. You know, I brought it up with Greg Lucas in our last podcast. And when I said the Astros We'll have an asterisk. Greg Greg took it literally. My point was simple. Anybody outside of Astros fans will for, forever put an imaginary asterisk next to the Astros. Maybe you as an Astro fan will convince yourself otherwise. But try having this conversation with any of your baseball friends outside of Houston. Watch it constantly get brought up on ESPN MLB Network, anywhere else you watch sports, it's not going anywhere. This is the Black Sox. It's Pete Rose bet on baseball. It's a permanent big black marker. Well, hey, the things you just referred to, the Black Sox scandal and and the Pete Rose thing, did you know? Did anything get vacated because of those situations? I mean, those are serious. You know, every bit as serious as cheating. No, they didn't. As far as let me just use myself as an example, Robert, when you're talking about. Astros fans and, you know, whether it's it's going to feel magical or it's tainted. I'll use myself as an example. When they won the 2017 World Series, uh, most of you may not know, I lived in Houston and, you know, I grew up there. I live in Austin now, but I've been an Astros fan since I was a kid, since the 70s. I waited 45 years for that World Series, and I will never forget that moment when Altuve made the final out that the Astros won 5-1 to against the Dodgers in Game 7. I thought I was going to cry. I mean, I just the moment was so moving. But now, you know, that's something that I can never erase. I mean, I will, that feeling will always be there. But in the wake of what's happened, there's a stain there now. Every time I think about that, that moment, that feeling, the, the next thing that pops into my head is, yeah, but now we've got this cheating thing to deal with. You're crying for a different reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm crying for a different reason because now, no matter what, this cheating stain will always be on that World Series. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the fans in a second because I, I, I've got beef with Astro f- fans. And but first, uh, just 
uh, you know, Logan Morrison, I don't know if you saw this, Stephen, Milwaukee first baseman. This was in a since-deleted Instagram post said, he's heard firsthand accounts that the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers cheat the same way the Astros did. I hope Rob Manfred's picking up a little phone and calling Mr. Logan Morrison if he's saying that, because we know he's talking to the Dodgers people, but if he's saying he this guy knows firsthand accounts uh, about the Yankees and the Dodgers, the Dodgers that were in the World Series, uh, those same two years that the Astros and the Red Sox were, uh, that, that's a big deal. Let's, let's hope that uh, that gets followed up on. Yeah, that is a big deal. And, and I'll tell you, when Mike Fires blew the whistle, when, when he first came out with all this, my first thought was, hmm, I wonder how many other teams are doing this. Look, and, and you know, some of the, the Dodgers players, the Yankees, you know, CeCe Sabathia even came out and says, man, I, maybe I would have had some more titles if this hadn't happened. Listen, if any of these teams get caught cheating, they're going to look really bad by saying stuff like that. You know that other teams out there are doing that. I mean, look, the Red Sox, they've already fired Alex Cora. Now, a lot of that may have been based on the fact that he cheated with the Astros. You know, and how ironic is this, Robert? And, of course, Alex Cora didn't know this at the time, but in 2017, don't forget, the Astros played the Red Sox. So, essentially, Alex Cora cheated on the team that he was going to be the future manager of. You know, so the fact is the Red Sox, they they kind of took the initiative before their investigation's even going to be clean and and fired him. So I, I firmly believe that there are other teams out there that are doing some semblance of cheating, whether it's sign-stealing through video like the Astros. You know, I mean, baseball, let's, let's face it, professional sports. I mean, how many times can we point to the Patriots and what they did? Every sport has cheaters. It's just human nature. It's just how people are. Everyone is going to push the envelope to see how far they can go to try to get better, to try to one-up the other guy or the other team. And the difference is, are you going to get caught or not? Now let me get to the fans. And, you know, this is, I know this is going to probably tick some people off that listen to this. Maybe you guys might have a totally different take on it. And, you know, feel free to let us know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll write about, I mean, we'll, we'll mention it on the podcast and we'll, we'll have something on it. But I'm just been frankly embarrassed by Astros fans acting like they're a bunch of six-year-olds or mafia hitmen. The mottos on social media are either, but mom, everybody else is doing it, or snitches get stitches, my fire, snitches get stitches. Steven, not only are, are adults saying this kind of stuff, but people on Twitter putting up videos of their children saying snitches get stitches. I mean, what the hell is wrong with these people? Is John Gotti our hero now? Do I need to watch yeah. the streets for mobs of Astro fans bullying people like they're the jerks in seventh grade? I guess it's just win at all costs. Hey, let's just machine gun down the Rangers players next time they're in town. If it, there's no law, you don't care about anything. Well, I, I think, first of all, as as wonderful as social media is, it, it makes it too easy for people to vent. You know, it's too easy to sit behind your computer or on your phone and hit send and, and not have to worry about facing people. I, I hear it about it on like the radio shows, like the talk radio shows, too. Yeah, but but I'd like to see some of these people go up and, and say that in somebody's face and direct it at, you know, direct that at the Astros or direct that at the Texans. Yeah, I'd like to see somebody go up to Bill O'Brien. And I mean, I, yeah, I guess a fan did basically with the, the video that came out recently that Bill O'Brien had a bunch of expletives for the you suck 
Oh, fan. Hold, but, hold but, that thought. Hold mean, that thought. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We'll get to that. But my, my point is, is that except maybe for a chosen few, it, it kind of goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. These people are being emotional and they're not looking at what's right in front of you. Face it. The Astros cheated. Hello. Do you think Rob Manford spent all those man hours and, and all those people spent all those man hours in this investigation because they had nothing else to do? No. This investigation yielded results that the Astros cheated, pure and simple. Yeah, but fans are fine with it. That that's not. I mean, they're 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 not disagreeing. They're just saying we're fine with it. You know, hey, you, that's what you got to do to win. That's it. You know, it's like whoa. I mean, we used to make fun of Patriot fan and Yankee fan. I mean, once you complain and whine about not getting calls from officials or refs and say, hey, that's not fair. You know, the Boston teams, New York teams, they get all the calls or whatever, or whoever it is. You know, I think the team that deserves to win the game should actually win the game. That's what it used to be with Houston fans. But you can't go, hey, but if you break the rules and don't get caught until after you win the World Series, that's fine, suckers. Well, I think it's always been that way. It's just more pronounced now because we have more ways of of expressing that. Like I said, social media, radio talk shows. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And when you say, you know, children putting up these things, you know, what kind of an example are your parents setting for your children? I mean, really, that that's why kids act the way they do sometimes is because you just look at their parents and say, well, my parents are doing that. So I guess it's OK for me. It's it's a shame. And, and I certainly don't I, I don't subscribe to it at all. I'm as Robert, you know, I'm as big an Astros fan as you'll ever find. And I don't like this any more than you. But as I said off the air when we were talking with Greg Lucas the other day, as much as I hate to say it, the punishment fits the crime. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, well, yeah, but, you know, everybody else is doing it, too. So basically they're on an even playing field. Uh, You know, the Yankees were probably cheating. The Dodgers are probably cheating. And and even if the Astros were, so what? I'm not I just I can't say that. As big an Astros fan as I am, I cannot say that. But there are just too many people out there that aren't looking at the facts, or even if they are, they're they're just trying to brush it off to make themselves feel better or to justify why they should feel what they feel. And it's a shame. It's it's terrible. It's a bad example for everybody. Yeah, this is just for me. This is like where we are in society right now because we see it in politics. We see it everywhere. Hey, sure. it, it, it's my team. It's my people. It's it's my whatever you know whatever they do who cares because it's my team and they're the right ones it's like it's like the mom that you know it's like oh uh my son i I know there's video of him committing the crime but my son would never do that my son couldn't do when all the evidence points in one way and you're still in denial or still saying who cares but they did it who cares but they did it you need mental help that's that's it i mean you just need mental help and and uh, heaven forbid if any one of you out there that's doing that it heaven forbid if it is your team and if you were jim crane and you own the astros i mean just think of what some of those people would do do you think jeff luno and ha hinch would be fired no they'd probably be praised in the media for what they did so i'm just glad it really isn't my team because you're not you're not paying the players you're not paying the employees you don't you don't have a stake in the ownership. Thank goodness for that. Anything else from this whole mess? I'm trying to think of uh, some of the aftermath that I've, I mean, I've seen Roy Oswalt. Hey, you know, Hey, if we're going to do this, I stole, we stole signs. Or no, it's not that what Manfred said. It's very clear. Roy, come on, dude. It's it's, he said, this is about 
video technological sign stealing. This isn't doing it with your eyes. And there's a difference. It's just it's this is about strat this strategizing with, you know, the guy at second base doing it. That's it's one thing. But if you're using all these, you know, all of these other means to do it, it's a bunch of crap. And hey, look, this stuff, they can start working on getting this stuff corrected fairly easily. First of all, use the technology so we don't have to worry about the the technology of sign stealing. Use the technology to, you know, where a catcher pushes a button, you know, on the side of his leg or something like that, where the hitter can't see it and the pitcher, you know, knows the pitch basically through that and he can look on his wrist and it and it, and it comes in, in some, on, on some video screen. I would be fine with that. that. That's where it needs to go. Or if it's the manager, I mean, the manager and coach in every sport now, I mean, we see it in the NFL. They send it in uh, through through audio means or whatever. You can do that sort of thing. There's a way to get around it. But also you can just say, look, with these iPads, how do we know that there's not a monitor? I mean, you can't tell me that there couldn't be a monitor or a way to get a feed through an iPad with whether it's Wi-Fi connected or they sneak some Wi-Fi connection to it in the dugout and all of a sudden you're doing it that way. I mean, get the iPads out of the dugout. You can use like some sort of audio monitor or some sort of audio device or you know some sort of uh, technological advice for, to get it from the catcher to the pitcher. So we're not doing there's there's way to there's ways to correct this, but you know Oswald saying you know that it's just like it's a brain dead reaction. I, I, Lance McCullers getting mad at Trevor Bauer because Bauer basically you know said you know there you go. He kind of you know he gave him a little crap, and it's like Lance, you can't. You can't shoot back, dude. You can't shoot back, especially on Monday when your whole organization was just wiped off the map. You 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 lose that right this week. Trevor Bauer wins. He wins that. You want to go after Trevor Bauer for some other reason or some other day, but not, you know, let Trevor Bauer win it because he he won. He said that they were cheaters and that they and they turned out to be the case. Now, I don't know if Cleveland w- was cheating. If you got something on that, Lance, go ahead. But you, you can't yeah. you, you yeah. can't. You can't go back at Trevor Bauer and Roy. Come on, be quiet. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And and don't you know? I, I wonder how many of these players are looking forward to going to spring training because you know the questions are going to come. I don't care if the Astros media relations department says we're not going to answer any any questions about this. You know they're going to be asked, and the players are going to be hounded with it all through spring training, probably all through the season. I, I guess really the only way. But but even this, you know, people will still find a way to say something about this. Uh, the only way the Astros can just, you know, get rid of this whole thing is just come out like gangbusters, you know, get mad, win the World Series in, in the right way and just, you know, show that there really isn't any cheating. But even then, you know, the, the first thing that's going to come out of somebody's mouth that they win another World Series. Huh, wonder if they cheated to do that this time and it just hasn't come out yet. So I, I kind of think, you know, these players, as much as they may be looking forward to spring training on one hand, the other, you you know that they're going to have to deal with this all season long. Well, Bill O'Brien, you might have thought we would have forgotten about you this week, but no, 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 <laughs> no, no. such luck, no <laughs> such luck. Yeah, he, he was asked that he's like, "What do you in the press conference? What do you think you need to improve on as a coach after this season?" O'Brien, 
quote, I'll have a better answer for you at a later date. That's what this process is all about. I think we're going to work here for a while. I'm going to take some time off. And those are things I'm going to really think about. What we can do better, what I can do better, what we can do better as a coaching staff. We'll work hard, try to improve in a lot of areas, but I wouldn't be able to answer that specifically right now. I've got to really put more thought into it. Stephen, let me answer this for you, Bill. Well, do me a favor. Admit the fact that you are a terrible game manager and you need to get better at it. If you can't go back and look at the video and see that, then you are in such denial that like the people in Egypt don't even know which Nile you're in. You're in such denial. And you've got to be able to figure out that, hey, I've got to do better at not doing stupid stuff like fake punting on my own 30-yard line. And I've got to do better where if I'm going to say I've got to score 51 points in a game to beat the Chiefs, then maybe go for it on fourth and, fourth and one when you're at your 11-yard line. If you think you got to score 51, why didn't you go for it on fourth and one, but you're not, you know, you're doing the fake punt on your own 30? Like, just, O'Brien, oh, find a mirror somewhere. Go ask somebody. Everybody knows. Read social media while. Sometimes they're actually right in this case. Well, I think, first of all, you could play an after-season press conference from Bill O'Brien you know, from 2018 or 2016 or whatever, and it would probably sound exactly the same. I mean, he says the same thing just about every press conference. And it, I think that's that's one of the sources of my frustration with him, Robert, is that, I, you know, if if he would just come out and I, maybe not say exactly the way you did, because you know he's not going to do that, but just be a little more revealing in that, you know, yeah, I mean, because he does say, yeah, I just need to coach better. I just need to do this. He speaks in generalities. If if he would just come with even a, a couple of specifics to point to why things are going wrong the way they did, yeah, some of us may not believe him. That he's probably just you know blowing smoke, but it would at least be a different change, and it would show that he's at least thinking about these things. And just because he's not saying them doesn't mean he isn't thinking them, but I, I think the, the source of my frustration, probably anybody who's a Texans fan or even the media, is that if he is in denial, then... To me, that means nothing's going to change. He's going to come out the next year and do the very same thing because that's what he's done since he's coached the team in 2014. How much has really changed from Bill O'Brien from when he first got here to this point after the season? Okay, he's tweaked the system a little bit for Deshaun Watson and you know more toward his game and, and maybe not the same offense that he may have had back in 2014 or 2017. But as far as his leadership, his coaching style, his clock management – how much of it has really changed? I say very little to none. And so if that's the case, then nothing is going to change next year. They're going to be the same old Texans. They have a good season, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. They might even go 12 and 4 and 13 and 3. But then they get in the postseason and they get bounced in the first or second round. Then what? He was asked if Romeo Crennel is going to be back. He said, quote, Yes, I do. I do expect him to be back. I mean, we will talk to all. We'll meet with all the staff members one by one and see where we're at. Now, that is an interesting quote, Stephen, because you could immediately go, I expect him to be back. But, you know, we remember a couple of years ago, Romeo was bounced upstairs. And I think that's still a possibility where... You know, Vrabel was moved to defensive coordinator and they bounced Romeo upstairs. 
he, the guy's been around the game for 30 years. I'm fine with him being a sounding board, a guy that's in the, in the Texans office, but I, I hope this means we'll see where we're at and we'll do uh, staff member evaluations and stuff that he's saying uh, he's going to be back, but we're not done with that process. I, you know, if they don't do something about Romeo, because we talked about this the other day. I mean, right. if there's one change that's got to be made, it's Romeo. And, and you know, there was somebody, somebody in the, in the Houston media uh, I, I won't call out who it was, but you can go find it on Twitter. Uh, re- replied to me when I when I said something about uh, Romeo needing to go. They brought up. Uh, do you remember who the defensive coordinator was under Kubiak? That's that was fired and ha- has since gone on to some good things. Do you remember who that was? Uh, yeah, I I, I think I, I then that of course we know how that turned out, right? Yeah, yeah big mean... <laughs> big Fangio, big <laughs> Fangio turned, yeah. turned out to be a pretty darn good uh, defensive coordinator, but that that didn't happen the next year or two years later. It happened about five. He had to go. He went through a bunch of stops, and then he started to getting DC jobs, and then he started to doing a nice job. Look, Romeo, it it's not like he's. 46 and we, we right. can see improvement. That's what I was going to say. He's 73 years old. I mean, he, he's gone. If, if anything, this would probably be his last gig with the, with the Texans more than likely. And, it, you know, he's been a head coach before. I mean, he's been there all through it and done that. So what I, what I take from his quote though, Robert, is that I, I'm not sure that he's going to fire Romeo Cornell because I would think if, if that were the case, I mean, if he were that dead set about it, it would have happened by now because as, as I recall, after the the Oilers debacle in Buffalo, defensive coordinator Jim Eddy was fired pretty quickly afterwards. I don't know if it was the next day, but it was it was pretty soon after. I mean, they may it was quite clear what his status was. The fact that Romeo has not been fired, he is still it, it is kind of a wait and see mode. Kind of makes me wonder if they're going to do what you're talking about. Is yeah, he might have a different role, kind of the upstairs quote unquote, you know, defensive coordinator in title. You know, but maybe bring somebody else in that's going to be the actual coordinator, kind of like what they did with Mike Brabel before he went to Tennessee. Yeah, Romeo was assistant head coach, and then they made. Yeah, the- that's it. Assistant head coach. That, that's kind of what. I'm and and Brabel was the defensive coordinator. Right. O'Brien was asked, you know, how likely is it that you might relinquish relinquish some of your duties to focus more on certain areas? And O'Brien said, "Quote." I think you got to look at everything. Every year is different. I think you have to look at yourself first before you look at anything else. And I think that's what we're starting to do with me. Uh, come on. This guy's not going to fire himself from anything. We know. I mean, if there's one thing we've learned about O'Brien, he just wants more titles. I think he's going to make himself a owner this offseason. Uh, yeah, he very well could. And and here's the thing that disturbs me about it. Let, let's, say, let's say he does with Romeo Cornell what he did. A couple of years ago with with Mike Brabel, make him assistant head coach, bring in, you know, name your person. Do we really want that, Robert? I mean, we already have that on the offense. We we have Tim Kelly, who's quote unquote, you know, offensive coordinator apprentice, I guess. But Bill O'Brien's still calling the plays. You know, how did it turn out when Romeo Cornell was up in the booth and Mike Brabel was the defensive coordinator? It didn't go very well, as I recall. It did it did not go well. The defense was not that good. And it, it only it was only that way for one year. So if you're going to go back to doing that, then what you'll have is you'll have Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, calling the plays, 
Tim Kelly, the quote-unquote apprentice, who's who's kind of the offensive coordinator. On defense, you have Romeo Cornell, assistant head coach, you know, still kind of calling some of the shots on defense. And then you have another defensive coordinator. I mean, there's just no clear leadership. If, if, if there's anything wrong with the Texans, it's that you've got too many chiefs and not enough followers. There are just too many titles being given and not a clear leader for each department. They like leading by committee. Steven. Yeah, leading by committee. That's the best way to put it. They lead by committee. And I just don't think that's that, that's just not something they're going to win a Super Bowl with. I, I just firmly believe that. Yeah, that, that hasn't worked great in history, has it? No, it has not. It has not. I can't point to one instance where you could say, well, you just had a whole bunch of Chiefs and yet they still won the Super Bowl. Unless maybe you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're about to win one. All right. Now I, I've spoken to Astros fans. I want to I want to talk directly to the Texans fans a little bit. If you go to the game and we have people that go to the game, uh, maybe don't do if you don't like what's going on, don't don't go to, don't go to the game. I mean, you can still meet up with your buddies and you guys can barbecue at the house. But, you know, boycott the stadium for a year. See what see if that changes anything. If there's if there's a ton of empty seats, if there's not people in the stadium buying beer, and you might still have your ticket. You could maybe hold on to your ticket, you know, sell it to some opposing fan or whatever, because who cares? It, 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 it seems like half the time the, the stadium is filled up with the opposing fans anyway. But, like, stay home, you know, get together with your buddies, cook out at the house, but don't support them. Don't please don't buy any more jerseys or merchandise. Just stop supporting him. I mean, if the only way you're going to make any difference is just you stop it. You like say enough is enough. And at some point they're just going to say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we do got to do. So, I mean, there, there, there can get to a point the pocketbook still matters in sports. And there, there is a, there is a, Set it set in a little bit of indifference at this point, and uh, Stephen, can can you feel that? And I, I feel like if the if the fans just take it a little bit further, yeah. Oh no, I do feel it. In fact, I, I felt you know all through the season, I just didn't see the buzz or hear the buzz about the Texans. And, you know, I, I mean, a few pockets of it. Obviously, when they beat the Patriots, that was a big deal. When they beat the Chiefs, it was a big deal. But if you're talking about the overall buzz of people just talking about, yeah, the Texans, they're going to do it this year. I mean, yeah, I know they've been bounced in the first round, but they've been making the playoffs and surely they're going to do it. I I haven't felt it. And I really wonder with this loss, this latest meltdown against the Chiefs, uh, the, yeah, against the Chiefs, is it going to be where you're going to see more empty seats next year? Is it going to be where, because yeah, you're right. That is the only way to make change. And unfortunately, I mean, what is it going to take? The Texans going to go zero and ten, you know, before you start doing that, or not even maybe go nine and seven again and not make the playoffs. I mean, it just it needs to happen a, as soon as possible, or else it is not going to change. Bill O'Brien is still going to be the head coach, you know. He's still going to be doing what he's going. He's going to be the de facto general manager. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. Nothing is going to change if the team is still making money, if the fans are still showing up. As nice of a dream it is, you know, it's it's awfully hard to do a, you know, a mass boycott of sorts. But, you know, what is it going to take? Is the Texans just going to have to be a, another 4-12 and 12 season with Deshaun Watson healthy or something like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And Deshaun protecting Bill O'Brien, 
yeah, I, I frankly would have been surprised if he went after Bill O'Brien. It's not in Deshaun's nature, but no. let's remember the fact that Deshaun, his clock management stinks too. He doesn't know what good clock management is, so why am I going to listen to him? He doesn't know how to use time, timeouts. He doesn't know how to snap the ball any sooner. So I, I don't really care you know, what Deshaun says at, at this point. And did we talk about the USAC 2 stuff, Stephen? Well, I, I know I, I alluded to it earlier when I was talking about, you know, the frustration of the fans. You know, we we're talking about Astros fans. But, yeah, we haven't really touched much on that. Uh, of course, the video coming out that Bill O'Brien, a, a fan, was yelling, you suck at him. And he uh, had a bunch of expletives. Uh, and, you know, I, that's that stuff is uncalled for. But, look, that's, that's just who Bill O'Brien is. All you have to do is go back and watch the 2015 season of HBO's Hard Knocks when the Texans were featured <laughs> just to see what kind of a personality Bill O'Brien had and how many expletives he said throughout that series. So, uh, you know, that's his typical Bill O'Brien. He was frustrated. Shouldn't have happened. I mean, I'm not condoning it. Believe me, it, it should not have happened. But, you know, that that just adds more fuel to the fire that should the guy even be the head coach. Uh, you know, that that's just something else that we can grab onto and say, this guy is just, he's just not with it. He's just not focused. And Getting back well, to Deshaun, hold, hold, hold on, hold on a second. You, you're, you're talking about the expletives. I don't care about the expletives. Here's what the issue is. This is Bill O'Brien in a nutshell. He he loses his cool. He loses his cool during the game. He loses focus. He gets too emotional. He screws things up. We see it all the time. That's what I hated about that whole thing. Is that's you, Bill O'Brien? You have no composure during a game, and you you couldn't even have composure walking into halftime. Look, if you think you're going to go to an NFL stadium and people are going to blow kisses at you when you go into the locker room trailing by 24 or 30 or, to three, it was, yeah, you know, whatever it was going into halftime against one of the, like a, a bad team in the NFL at home. But forget it. Even if you, if you're beating a good team and somebody's doing that, like you, you can't expect any of that. The, the one thing that you're asked as a coach is to be the example and to show composure with the fans in a, in a loud stadium. And if you can't do that, then it just that is the perfect example, Stephen, of the lack of composure that he has in game situations that we see all the time. Oh, absolutely. And and getting back to Deshaun, you know, I, I can't put all this blame of clock management on Deshaun. I mean, this is, you know, this is where you need a coach that can give you that example of how to do clock management. And Bill O'Brien is certainly not an example to do that. So, no, my whole thing with the expletives is this is just who Bill O'Brien is. He doesn't have composure. He doesn't show it during games. He doesn't think straight. Look at, you know, some of the answers, the, the whole quote about the fake punt that, you know, that he gave after the game. You know, if, if you go back and, and listen to it or read about it, I, I bet you'll be scratching your head just like I did going, what the heck is he talking about? It, it makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. So, no, this is just another link in the chain of, of why Bill O'Brien, in, in my mind, and I said this before the season, Bill O'Brien is not going to lead the Texans to the Super Bowl. They're, they're not going to win a Super Bowl as long as he is the head coach any more than Mike D'Antoni is going to win an NBA championship as long as he's the Rockets coach. I just don't see it happening at all. Yeah, I mean, we're preaching to the choir, I think, but this is just it's the same, same old, same old. We got to get it off our chest, right? That's that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> uh, last, th- I mean, we've almost gone an hour, and I feel like I can go like three hours. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in a feisty mood for obvious reasons with with yeah, all of this yeah. stuff, and 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 I guess we can close on. To me, Dana Holgerson, what happened to Derek King? The fact that you had a quarterback 
that was pretty darn skippy uh, before Dana Holgerson comes to Houston. And he looks terrible under Dana Holgerson the first few games. I mean, I don't care how much difference the offense is. If, if you're a head coach, you've got to get your quarterback that's doing all of these extraordinary things the last few years to do the same thing under you, number one. And number two, you can't piss off the most talented guy on the team and redshirt him and let him walk in the next year. I think this can't happen. No, it certainly can. And that's that's my whole thing as I point to this, uh, you know, that I say that, again, I think it's a case of a coach just maybe being stubborn and, and trying to ram his system down the throat of players that just aren't capable of, of doing it. And De'Ari King's a great example. I, I mean, it, it, can you say that a, a guy as talented as De'Ari King is, is suddenly taking that much of a step backwards? Yeah, I know he's had some injury problems. He was coming back from that, but I mean, that far of a step back and then to redshirt him, you know, this whole redshirt thing. I know we talked about that on a previous podcast, how we feel about that. But, yeah, the Dana Holgerson tenure so far is not going well. And and the worst thing is they're paying him all this money. You know, they're stuck with, you know, just like the Aggies are stuck with Jimbo Fisher, feast or famine. They're stuck with Dana Holgerson paying him all that money for him to come in. And his first year was a disaster. And now your quarterback's leaving. I, I wish I could say that it was a big surprise, but as much as I kept hoping that when he got redshirted, you know, he was saying all the right things. No, this doesn't mean I'm going to transfer. No, it has nothing to do with that. But really, Robert, in the back of your mind, didn't you think that it, he would probably would walk once the time came? His papa was sure mouthing off after that uh, redshirt thing came out. And when your dad's saying stuff, he kind of knows what the inside is usually, don't they? Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And and the fact that he said it, you know, is disturbing in and of itself. So, yeah, you hope you have to hope for better days for the Cougars football team. But it sure doesn't look like it right now, especially the way things have gone. The season was bad enough, but now you've got to find a quarterback to replace the guy you had who, at least at one time, they, they were even putting him in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Well, you know, he's going to be transferring as it looks. We don't know where, but now the Cougars are going to have to start with with – Really, the the main face of your team, the quarterback, after you're coming off a four and eight season, that's not a good thing to start with. I will say regarding the Houston Cougars, if you want to see a basketball team that has energy and effort and plays defense, there is one in town. Kelvin Sampson <laughs> does it at Tillman Fertitta. I don't think he's going to want to steal from his college basketball team. Uh, for his NBA team. So I'm guessing Samson isn't going to get hired by the Rockets, but it's something that goes through my mind when I see, hey, the Cougars, uh, they put out effort. I've watched Kelvin Sampson coach. He puts up with nothing. That guy scares me, and I'm not even playing for him uh, when he's out on the practice court. So I wouldn't be disappointed if the Rockets hired him, but you can find somebody else so you can keep Kelvin Sampson with the Cougars basketball team. I'm not saying they're they're on their way to winning a championship this year. I just don't think he's got the talent this year to do it. Hopefully he, they're going to bring in some more talent in the coming years. But they there's no question he gets the most out of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest problem with the Cougars basketball, yeah, they're 13 and four. And wouldn't you know, there are a lot of teams that would like to trade places and be 13 and four but then they're not ranked in the top 25. I think the biggest problem is that the expectations from last season are still lingering from the fans and, and other people that I, I just, I don't think you're going to see the kind of season that you saw last year, because as you said, they, you know, they lost some talent 
you know, they 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 lost two or three great players who who contributed to that Sweet 16 finish last year. So, but but at the very least, yeah, Calvin Sampson is not going to put up with a lack of effort. There is just no way in the world. If I were playing for him, I'd be so scared to death, man. I'd, I'd probably just just overplay. You know, maybe be too aggressive, and he'd have to tell me to tone it down because, yeah, they they at least go out and show some effort, which is something the Rockets, as you pointed out at the beginning of this podcast, just they aren't showing. Since we spoke so much to the fans in this particular podcast, uh, info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Speak back to us. Tell us if you think we're full of it, you don't like the takes on the Astros fans, or you feel differently as a Texans fan. I, I know there's the, the fans out there that are just, hey, I, I love going to the Texans. You know, that maybe they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but... You know, we win every year. Deshaun's fun to watch. Uh, I'm a diehard through and through. There, there, there's those type of fans. But I know there's a lot of you out there that feel like I, you've had enough. You've had enough with Bill O'Brien. Uh, I, I can give you the positives, and I have. And there is some. And there's, you know, it's not, you're not the worst team in the world. I mean, you get to the playoffs four out of the last six years. Uh, a couple of times you've won a playoff game. Yeah, wouldn't you like to be the Cleveland Browns right now or, you know, one of those other teams that have been struggling for years and years, right? Yeah, and, and also you don't you don't even have to email us. If you have a phone like everybody with a record button on it, which pretty much everybody has, it's real easy to do. Just record a minute or two of what you're thinking or if you got a question, you can do that. We'll, we'll put it on the podcast. I would love that. I, I'd love to hear somebody. It would be almost like taking phone calls on a live show, which I used to do. I used to do a talk show. I, I would love that. So, yeah, if you have a take, you know, as, as, the, as we used to say in talk radio, you know, have a good take and don't suck, you know, send it to us, though. We want to hear it. We want to put it on. We'll put it on the podcast. We'll let you have your say, and then we'll comment after. I'd love for, for more of that to happen. Also, you know, I say this all the time, but you know, share this on your social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Snap, whatever, Snapchat. I don't care. Whatever you whatever you go to, what your whatever your go-to social media thing is, share it. Let your friends know uh, that uh, we're, we're out there. Uh, that's the best way to support us is just uh, get us some more listeners. Uh, we, we, we would love to talk to a, a bigger and bigger audience, and um, that would be fantastic. And Stephen... Man, I hope we've got some better stuff to talk about in the next few weeks. Yeah, we really need to look for more because I, I'd say I, I think uh, I'll, I'll just end this real quick with uh, something. A, a friend of mine called me last night. He he heard our last two podcasts and he said, there are two words that you guys were missing out of your podcast. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, sugar coat. He says, you guys don't sugarcoat anything. He says, I'm pretty depressed right now. Well, I, you know what? I, I don't blame you, Dennis. I, I You're depressed, Robert. I'm depressed. We all are. But, you know, I, I still think that things usually aren't as bad as it feels. It's just that we're, we're still dealing with the emotions of all this, having to you know process the Astros and process the Texans loss. I, I still think better things are to come. We just we just have to hope. We, so we need to look for some better things in the next podcast, Robert. That's our assignment. And the disappointing thing is, I, I think why I, Houston fans are so upset um, let's take the Astros out for a second. Houston fans are so upset because there's so much talent on the Texans and the Rockets, and and we're, you're just not getting what you should be getting out of that talent. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that you're not living up to expectations, and that's sometimes just as bad, if not worse, than you know if you're if you go two and fourteen and you say, well, the the team are. Let's use the Astros as an example 
of when they were – I mean, they were tanking, obviously, on purpose, but they certainly had, had had the kind of players to put out on the field. They weren't going to go 100 wins, 62 losses, or you know, win 107 games. They're going to lose. So, yeah, the fact that you don't live up to expectations sometimes is harder to take than if you're just a sorry team and you already know that. Wasted talent is frustrating because sometimes you just you know you're not going to get that guy forever or this guy forever because you know they get older they walk they go go in free agency so uh all of those things uh we'll have so much more about you know definitely the the rockets in the coming weeks and there might be some more news coming out about the texans as, as the offseason continues but uh looking forward to talking to you guys next week and try to get some some guests in in the next few weeks as well so stay tuned You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.